at this yeah. point in time, we we had a relationship. We still had not told each other I love you yet because Andrew was very uh, hell-bent on not saying I love you until he knew for sure that he meant it. Which I respected that because every relationship that I had been in after like a week, it was I love you. And, you know, it kind of took the meaning of I love you away. So I totally respected that. And I was like, you know what? Even well, my though family I'm, barely says it, so I, that's not a word that I take lightly. Right. It's not something he takes. But I, I had so much respect for that. And I was like, you know, it's, it's fine. So we actually didn't tell each other we loved each other until I, we had moved out of that house. My mother was able to get enough money to put a down payment on a home. Um, it was actually my aunt's home. They had moved, so we were able to purchase that home. And uh, lovely home. That's the home that my mother is still in. I, it was great. It worked out perfectly. Um, but after we left, we had a long-distance relationship for... I mean, it was an hour and a half, but for kids... That's who and I and you I know, went through many a burner of phones. He did. He did go through many burner phones so that he they could keep have, in contact have, with me. I could, probably could have been a drug dealer at that point with how many <laughs> burner phones I went through. Oh my goodness, that's awful. Um, not, I probably spent a thousand dollars on quarters, filling uh, <laughs> up the the minutes. People don't know back then. You you, you, you had, had to pay to for minutes, minutes on your phone. cell phone. There was no unlimited minutes. Yeah, and I. Did get my first cell phone when I lived in Andrew's house. So we we kind of talked to each other a little bit while we lived together, but it wasn't until we were forced to be separate from each other. But you other. know people could check the bill and see the number you're calling and all right. that. Right. So he had to kind of get a little sneaky and figuring out ways. Now, my mother was a I little bit... I could do a three-way call. I could call a friend and have the friend call her. I did that a few times. He definitely got creative with ways to So that, to that worked. Me. So it looked like I was talking with my friend at midnight for 12 <laughs> hours <laughs> falling to sleep together on the phone so my mom was a little bit more relaxed but of course she had obviously been through a severe tragedy so I don't think you know putting guidelines on me was at the top of her checklist at that time and I was pretty open with my mom I hid our relationship from my mother for a while which she actually believed um, but then once it came out that no I, I really loved him she she was she handled it okay um, but it was difficult because my mother was okay and then his parents were definitely not okay. So we had two different sides of it, about perspectives about how our relationship should, work, um, should go. So it was really difficult to manage. So we just kind of got to the point where we were like, we're we just going to have to, we're going to have to sneak around. And I would tell my mom, you know, I'm going to meet Andrew and friends at, you know, Kennesaw State Park. And she'd be like, oh, okay, great. And wouldn't double check to make sure that friends were going or, you know, she just wouldn't follow through, which I don't blame her at all because she had so much on her plate as it was. At this point, I had... And Andrew just was on the opposite end of the spectrum. that I could rely on. That I could rely on to take with me and my parents wouldn't care if I went with this friend because they trusted this friend. And he just kind of aided you in being able to, to sneak and meet up with me. So it, what ended up happening, of course, as you can imagine, is we ended up getting pregnant. Uh, I was 17. We were almost 18. Um, and I think it, it definitely was part, it was all parties that, um, you know, obviously we were the ones who made the decision to, to have sex and, and get together, but... I, I think if we maybe had had some more communication on our relationship and just how serious we were, but I this think, is a year and a half. I mean, we had been together for literally a year and a half, for so sure. it's not like we weren't jumping right into it. Well, I think just because of our age 
plain and simple, people automatically assume that there's no way you can possibly know what love is. And normally I would agree with that because remember, we're we're parents to, she'll be 15 in a couple of days. So like I tried to envision if she was to come to me and say, mom, I, I am in love with somebody, I would honestly you know, probably be like, okay, walk me through these emotions. But that's because I've been through what I've been through. I'm not going to be the first person to shut down um, somebody telling me that they're in love with somebody else because, you know, especially given our situation, who are we to say that somebody can't love somebody at that age? Now, there is a lot of things that are true. Like you, you may not necessarily know what you want at that time. You may not even really know yourself. But in my case, that was not true. Andrew was the first person who actually did help me understand who I really was and who I wanted to be. And I think I gave Andrew a new perspective on life. His entire mm-hmm. life was planned out for him. And when he met me, I was like, what do you, what do you want to do with your life? And he didn't really know at first. He really didn't have a clue because everything had been told to him and how he was supposed to live his life. So, and you know, that was just his parents trying to be good parents. It wasn't them, you know, trying to do anything bad or harmful. They were just trying to be good parents. But in doing that, he never really got to figure out who he was. And then with us getting pregnant so young, Um, We didn't get married right away because both families were telling us that we they didn't want us to rush into marriage just because we were pregnant even though we told everyone that we were absolutely in love and we had intentions of getting married regardless none of that mattered simply because of our age there were some choices we couldn't see each other for we didn't even see each other for a little bit while you were pregnant yeah so they it was still mainly controlled i would think by our parents trying to control the situation and and not like you can get more pregnant but right but they i think they were just obviously as any parent and his parents are so amazing mine my mother's an amazing person too so it's it's not that they were trying to do any harm they were genuinely trying to make the best decision that they could at that time hindsight's always 2020 obviously so you know andrew and i always say as soon as we turned 18 we should have just went and got married because we we had the ability to but because we had so much influence from our parents and them saying you know that we it was lust it wasn't love and just because we were pregnant didn't mean we had to get married that had a big influence and I was trying so hard to make his parents okay with me because again I felt like I caused all these issues so whatever they said really played a lot into my decisions so we chose not to get married right away um my pregnancy was extremely lonely I missed Andrew terribly we did not get to see each other unless if it was a doctor's appointment um it was just it was a really hard time it was really really hard and very long yeah and like I said hindsight's 2020 had we know now what we knew now we would have just literally gone and gotten married the day that I found out I was pregnant (laughs) um but you know but a few months I guess before you gave birth when we knew we were going to get married, we decided to move you back down yeah. to where I was. So we found an apartment. We did. And I took a job working with my parents. He did. They and gave they gave me an opportunity, which was very kind. Yep. Yep. Not his, my favorite job in the world. His but. father owned a le- vinyl and leather repair company. So they were working on cars. Um, so it definitely wasn't what he planned to do, but Andrew, the moment he found out I was pregnant, he stopped school, um, so that he could start working to provide for us. And so I saved everything that I could, uh, it was about $10,000. 
Yep, which was gone in a matter of seconds once we bought the the house that we're in now. It was just gone. It was unbelievable how quickly that <laughs> savings went. Um, but, but back then, you know, $10,000 is... It was a lot for a couple of kids, for sure. Um, so, I, and the other issue was, is I was so sick with my pregnancies that I physically couldn't work for a solid six months. I was diagnosed with hyperemesis, so getting up and doing anything was it just was not in the cards for me. I would get sick and I could not even keep water down. So it was just a really, really, really hard pregnancy. Um, so after our amazing daughter, Aya was born, um, which was such a beautiful experience. It was definitely not something I can explain considering our situation, but the fact that Andrew was able to be there, be in the room with me, uh, he was so supportive. I think it was, a lot for him to take on because he had not been with me through the pregnancy. So it was like, oh my God, I'm becoming a dad like right now, you know, because he, he saw me, like I said, on doctor's appointments, but that was few and far in between. So it it was almost like he was thrown into this position and he just handled it so well. Well, was that a doctor's appointment where they pretty much just broke your water or did something you went to labor that day when I happened to be there I I did and I it worked out perfectly um I ended up she had some meconium in her water which is if you don't know that's where a baby has a bowel movement while they're still in the womb so she was taken from me we didn't get to see her for a couple hours after I had her um, but then we, we got to see her, we got to spend just those few, it wasn't even like a, it feels like it wasn't even a day really, but it, it was a couple of days that we just got to be together, just us. Um, so after I had Aya, the plan was of course to move down to where we are now, which is Conyers, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. And I moved into the apartment that Andrew had gotten us and I it was just my life. That was, that was what we were doing. And I embraced motherhood. It was like one of the most amazing things that's ever happened to me. At this point, we're still not uh, married. We still had not gotten married. Um, and we ended up getting married when Aya was about six Six months months old. And it was just, I think what we did was we just were waiting for everybody to be okay with us getting married, which again, we probably should not have done. But in the long run, I think it made Andrew and I just stronger as a couple in general, because we were forced forced to, to have to deal with so much so young that by the time we were able to actually be together, we were able to work together as a team. Um, and then once we got married, everything was kind of in fast forward for a little while. So shortly after we were married, we bought our house. Um, you know, we it was were, during 2007, right? Right before the Right crash. before the economy crash. And so I was able to afford a house. Yeah, well, and things were just different yeah, then than they are now. now. Even they, if, they, I, they, even they if I had waited then, I probably could have got this house for basically nothing. I mean, I got the house cheap, but if I had, wait, if I had even known, well, we, we could have even... There's no way that we would have known that the, yeah. the economy was going to crash the way that it did. But we moved in. We did a lot of work to the house. Um, yeah, it was a foreclosure. Yep. So we yeah. had a lot. We did have family come and help us like put floors floor. in and help us repaint. Um, everything that we had was either gifted to us, um, at the time mm-hmm. or s- we worked for it. Um, so we didn't have much at all. Um, <laughs> our furniture was very bare minimum, but we had a house over our heads and I was not used to having a lot anyway. So I was perfectly content. Um, I did deal with quite a bit of postpartum depression after I had my first, but I didn't realize that's what it was until, you know, it was 
well past having her and my hormones started to level back out. Um, but Andrew was just an amazing husband and an amazing father. But our lives were were put on hold while we parented and grew our family. And we worked. We just were functioning. That's what I like to call it. Kind of robot mode almost. It goes like. Yeah. So. We're not really living. I like life. to call that more like the dark ages. Even though it wasn't really that dark, it was just we weren't ourselves. We were just functioning as parents and providers and just trying to do what we were supposed to do in life. Do we need to stay? Yeah. So um, I, one of the things that I really struggled with after, after becoming a mom was the thought of not contributing enough to the family, which is so bizarre. And of course, now that I'm older, I can look back and, and say that it's absolutely bananas because moms who are able to stay at home, it is a full time job. And that's not to discredit moms who have full-time jobs outside of the home because that's me now. It's still so much work to be a parent that it just, there's so much pressure. There's a lot of pressure. There's pressure on you to contribute, but also stay at home with your child. And it was just a really rough couple of years. Uh, But we did amazing um, for being so young with our daughter. We would read her books every night. She, If anything, she was actually probably a little spoiled. Um, she had a little bit of a hard time adjusting when I got pregnant with my second. Um, but she, she was used to just us. She was, and she was the first grandchild, so, you know, she got a lot of love and attention. She was a girl. She was cute. She was a girl. She was super cute. Um, I know parents say that about their kids all this the time. This is actually a cute baby. I I'm sorry, was... most of y'all probably had ugly babies. <laughs> True. That's awful. No, Aya was an abnormally cute baby. Um, she was 8 pounds, 15 ounces, 1 ounce away from 9 pounds, and she was just chubby and precious she came out with pitch black hair and her hair ended up growing in bleach blonde at six months which is so funny because normally it either falls out or people thought i tried dyeing her hair and i was like uh no (laughs) everybody and those blonde hair blue eyed jeans are just really really strong um so anyways we we just were functioning so i i struggled with feeling like i was contributing so i kept telling andrew i was like "I, I, i want to get a job i need to make Income. I need to make money so that I can help you. Um, things were pretty simple for us back then. We didn't have a lot that we were having to pay for, but I still wanted to contribute. So, but and, we didn't do anything either. So. Right there, we didn't go out. We clothes didn't, were given for I. I mean, it's not like oh my gosh, uh, the amount of clothes that people gave us for our daughter was unbelievable. Like I didn't have to buy I clothes until. God, at least six years old. Um, My aunt adopted an amazing little girl. um, And so all of her clothes, she was two years older than Aya. So she just gifted us all of these clothes. So we didn't really have to buy anything for her. Some of them were brand new and they were never used. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, really and truthfully, we were really blessed and fortunate in that sense that we did have so much stuff that was just given to us. Um, if we had not had those things given to us, we still would have made it work. It just would have been a, a little tighter than what it was. And we didn't have much, and we didn't really do a lot. Um, our life really consisted of just parenting and working at that point in time. So I talked with Andrew, and I was like, you know, I just I feel like I'm not doing enough. What can I do? So I, he was like, well, why don't you try to just maybe work from home? So I got one of those terrible 
like telemarketing jobs. Like when you were watching TV and you see the commercial and you want to buy what's on the commercial, you have 19 minutes to get it for this price. I got that job. (laughs) It was so bad for me. I was awful at it. You guys, I'm not a salesperson at all. She would tend to be like on the phone and like hang up on people. I would. I'd be like, oh, our connection isn't good. Click. So it was just pretty close to getting fired anyways. I was super close to getting fired and I just struggled. I struggled with that job. I didn't understand at the time why I struggled with that job, but I struggled heavily. So the time came that I was like, okay, this just is not working. I am not happy. I've got to get out of this house. I do not feel like I'm contributing enough, I'm not happy, my mind's not in a good place, I need to have interaction with other adults. And I asked Andrea, I was like, I want to go get a job somewhere. Now, mind you, I, my very first job when I was 16 was actually developing film from cameras. This was, you know, right at the brink of when digital started to kind of take over, but there was still, you know, film that was out there. So that was actually my first job. Um, and then before I got pregnant with Aya, I started working at a studio. So I've had undertones of photography my entire life, I want to say, because even yeah. before I started that, I, I had my own camera. I you used take, my savings to buy a Minolta 35 millimeter. And I used to take pictures of my siblings, my cousin. So I've, I've always had a creative streak in me. I just did not, you know, because creatives are always told you need to have a real job. It's so funny because when you're a kid, they tell you you can be anything when you grow up. But then once you grow up, suddenly that's not realistic anymore. And, you know, that's the one thing I can say about my mom is that she never told me I could not be a photographer. But a lot of other people said that that wasn't a real job. Even one of my friends was interested in photography and she says, my dad wants me to get a real job. And I was like, well, why is photography not a real job? And she's like, I don't know. It's just not, you can't make money from it. So all of that influence starts to make you second guess yourself. So, you know, I've always had that creative blood in me. I just, you know, was told to ignore it. So, you know, quote unquote, get a real job, do quote unquote, an actual field, get a trade, you know, that was what was kind of beat into me. So when I asked Andrew, I told him, I was like, you know, I need to physically go out and get a job. He said, okay. He was like, well, I don't want you in a place where you're having to deal with a whole bunch of guys because I, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because I was nice. I don't know. I had issues with guys for such a long time. So he was like, you can either go to Victoria's Secret, which is crazy because guys go in there too. (laughs) So I don't know what that was. But he said, either Victoria's Secret or David's Bridal. And so I went into David's Bridal. I got dressed, you know, really nice. I walked in. I asked if they were hiring me. They hired me on the spot. I didn't even have an opportunity to go and apply for Victoria's Secret at the mall that was closest to us. So I was hired right on the spot. Um, the crazy thing about that is I was kind of thrown into the corporate world, into the sales world when I had no idea of what to expect. Um, but I'm thankful for that job that I had at David's Bridal because it did teach me a lot about how to run my business now. Um, so to try to compress the amount of time that I was there, I was there for almost five years, um, work some of the most terrible hours ever. They gave they, me terrible. They like literally Sunday, abused. She'd be like from Sunday, like twelve to like seven. Who does that? I, I had no time with my family. And what's even worse, you guys are just going to absolutely die. I was making three hundred and sixty-five dollars every two weeks. That was barely enough to even cover gas. But because it was a regular paycheck, 
in my mind, that was more of a contribution than if I was to even, you know, go out on my own and start my own photography business. Now, while I was at David's Bridal, I realized that I was not happy with any of these jobs because my creative mind was not being able to be utilized. And something that I learned was that creatives just don't do well when they are in uh, underneath fluorescent lights stuck day in, day out doing the same thing where their creative blood and abilities are not able to be utilized. So this was about two years after being at David's Bridal. So I told Andrew, I said, you know what? I'm going to start photographing again. So we used Craigslist and we listed that I was photographing people on Craigslist and I got a few clients that way. They paid like $50. Why did you start photographing? Why did I start photographing? Because I, I, I knew I wasn't happy. I knew I needed to create to be happy. I knew that I needed to get back in touch because I, I, I started thinking about the times that I was happy and that took me back to developing film and photographing and working at that studio for a short period of time. So I, I really focused on what I needed to do for my own mental health. Um, I think mental health gets put on the back burner a lot for so many different reasons. For mine, it was definitely becoming a mom and feeling that pressure of being a good mom. My mental health took a hit. And then not feeling like I was contributing to the family, even though you never gave me that impression at all that I wasn't contributing. It was just me in my own head, um, overthinking things like I always do. So I had to get back in touch with what made me happy, and creating is what has always made me happy. So that was kind of what started my photography journey, if you will. I didn't start a business. I just started photographing. And I was doing it for like $50. You used some weird Sony camera. I used a camera that your dad got from Walmart. So I I didn't even have my own camera. It was not even a, I don't know. I don't even think it was a Sony. It wasn't name brand. Your dad doesn't buy anything name brand. It didn't have like lenses or anything to go on. No, (laughs) it was just one, one thing. And then I bought um, like a super cheap, consistent bulb to light my subjects. So I started selling these pictures for $50 and, you know, just kind of doing a a little bit of a side hustle. Well, when I started that... A little bit of Craigslist. It was... Still those Craigslist. Yeah, it was like a flame was kind of reignited in me once I started photographing again. And But again, you still have all of that pressure of people telling you that this isn't a real thing. You need to focus on something else. Well, as I got older, I started to silence those voices. And actually, one of the people that really helped me was Andrew's brother-in-law. Um, we got so... We're still really close to his sister and... Um, her husband, our brother-in-law, his brother-in-law. Um, and I was 26 at the time. Um, I had had my second child, Lila, at this point in time. Uh, hor- even worse pregnancy with her, but a, a little bit of a smoother transition into parenthood than, than with the first. Um, but I remember we were at Six Flags, and he asked me, I told him, I said, you know, I want to I do photography, and I photograph for people. I said, but I don't think people really take me seriously because of my age and because of the fact that it's photography. And he said... I'll never forget it. He told me, he says, well, no, people, he said, I'm sure people do take you seriously. What are you doing to make them take you seriously? And that flipped a switch in my head. So at that point in time, I was now refocused on what I needed to do as what my why was, why I needed to create and why I wanted to do this. Um, So I went back with 
just a totally new mindset. I started photographing even more on the side. I started charging more per client. My skills started to get better as a photographer. It still wasn't, you know, great, but it was getting better. Um, my knowledge of the photography industry started to grow because I started to learn. I was taking classes. I was learning. Um, there was just so much that started to click with me at that point in time. So I'm still at David's Bridal, and all this time I had kind of been photographing on the side on the weekends. You know, I would photograph just people who even Whatever couldn't... Whatever creepy little thing we got off Craigslist. Yeah, anything that I could get, I was photographing. And, you know, it, I wasn't really making any money from it at all. But it, that didn't matter to me. I was I was learning, and I was growing, and I was I was creating something. So that was kind of what jump-started me. I didn't know anything about photography. He, yeah. And, and really and truthfully, I don't think he realized that he's actually a creative himself until I started to get into the industry. So one day I'm at David's Bridal, and this is getting close to my five-year mark, and I am so over it at this point because I they literally just abused the fact that I'm a very loyal person. Um, Andrew said that they had me working crazy hours. They had me as a manager. They had me as a key holder. They had me as the receiver, getting all of the packages in. They had me in every single position no, like known to man in that company, but because I was nice and a little more naive about how things worked, I never asked for more pay. Never I never, raise, never, I never got a raise. I never, and they just literally would use me up. I didn't even get a lunch break the majority of the time. It was absolutely awful. Not to mention, David's bridal stole one of my ideas. Um, and this is going off track a little bit, but it's important to be said because when you have an idea. Keep it to yourself until you can either patent it or make sure that you have the support that you have because these big corporations will absolutely steal from you in a second. So I had a little wedding. I, I'm a terrible salesman. So David's Bridal, is you can be successful if you have sales. That It's commission-based. So for me, that screwed me up because I'm not a good salesperson. I never asked for the sale. I just am not a good salesperson at all. Was not. Was not a good salesperson at all. And so what I did to try to help me sell gowns was I had a little wedding bell in my Honda Civic. It was what, a 98 or 99 Honda Civic. So I brought it in and every time one of my brides would say yes to the dress, I would ring the bell. And corporate happened to be there maybe about a month after I started this little trend. And they were like, oh, what a cool idea. And I said, yeah, it's just something special for me and my clients. Well, lo and behold, a couple of months later, they started distributing bells to all of the salespeople, and they created a bell that said, I said yes to the dress, and they sell it for 60-something dollars. They stole my idea. And if I had more money and if I had more education at the time and knowledge, I would have sued them so hard um, because I just, it was awful. Like, I, I just felt so taken advantage of. But just let that be a lesson to you. Don't ever share your ideas, <laughs> no matter how awesome they may seem or how much they may help you in your business now. Don't let anybody take your ideas. That's what we always go with the little Wayne saying. You know how it goes. <laughs> Real G's move in silence like lasagna. Yes. <laughs> That's we Andrew's stick, favorite. We, we stick to that. Yeah. So one day um, I'm helping one of these brides who came in just to try on dresses. At this point in time, I had gotten really... 
Okay. good at knowing people who were going to yeah. buy and people who were not. So she was there to just you play. Knew. And and it was, you know, every every woman has that right. Everybody has that right to go in and just play around at a store. But for me, it was a nightmare because that's all I dealt with. N- nobody ever thinks about the person that's carrying these dresses. They're just thinking about, oh, I get to play and dress up and try on all these different gown styles. Nobody really thinks about the other side of it um, until you're in that position. Uh, which is why I personally don't like going window shopping or going into stores where I have no intention of buying something because I was that person who was commission based and could not make any money. So um, I'm in, I'm helping her. I'm pulling all of these gowns. The rule was you were only supposed to have three gowns per bride, and after those three gowns, like your appointment was supposed to end. She had me pull like ten, and I'm just working myself to death. I have these gowns hung over my shoulder. While I'm getting the room set up for her, she's talking to her friends, and I can't help but overhear about this experience. And she's telling her friend about the fact that she booked a photographer for boudoir to gift to her fiance, soon to be husband, as a gift on their honeymoon. It was going to be this, you know, amazing album that she was gifting him. And I hear her talking about this experience and she says, it was a little expensive guys, but so worth the investment. And at this point in time, she's now piqued my interest because I'm like, well, how much did she spend? So she ends up saying that she spent $1,500 with this boudoir photographer. Now I want to see these images. So I'm peeking over her shoulder. I walk behind the sofa where her family and her friends are sitting. And I look over her shoulder and I see these images. And not to discredit this photographer, but they were standard boudoir images. It wasn't anything that like completely blew my mind. Well, at that moment in time, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. That is when I turned my two-week notice in. That was when everything changed for me because I something just clicked. If some photographer out there can photograph boudoir images, that you know, it wasn't necessarily anything spectacular or amazing. It was just standard boudoir images, and he was able to sell fifteen hundred dollars worth. I could do it too. And I could do it better. And again, that's not to discredit anybody's work. That was just me in my mind. That was what had me motivated. I know I can do this. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it better. So I turned in my two week notice. Everybody laughed at me. Everybody said, you'll be back. No, we decided we said we're going all in. Yep. And I told Andrew, because I had been talking about leaving David's bridal for several months now because I just wasn't happy there. And Andrew said, I'm fine with that. He said, but if you're going to do photography, you're going to do it. You're not going to complain that you don't have gas money to go to a certain location to build your portfolio. He says, you're either going to do it 100% or you're not doing it at all. And with my personality, that's great because I'm 100% or nothing at all anyway. So I'm like, no, I'm all in. I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to go. My foot is on the gas pedal. I am ready to blow this stuff up. That's if we don't have the cash, then, you know. We're going to use a credit card. That's if we didn't. thing that people are afraid of and they'll. Yeah, you know about. the 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 <laughs> world of not getting into debt is so unrealistic, especially for business owners, because when you're coming from a place that has nothing, you either pay cash for something or you're going to have to use a credit card. Now, our credit cards had very small limits on them at that point in time. And you um, got to gamble. 
Yeah, it was a gamble for us. Every time we made a decision to spend money on something, that was a gamble for us. So I turned my two-week notice in. I um, And all the while, while I was at David's Bridal, I was taking classes. I was learning. I was trying to educate myself on how to run a business. So we watched I, some videos together. I started to try to learn a little bit. He did. And, you know, Andrew... We understand the camera and the lens. I, uh, I think uh, I did... You got my first camera in my lens for our anniversary. I don't remember which the camera was. It was a Canon. It was a Canon. I still have it. I know. We still have it. I'd have to look. I don't remember what it was called. Um, My brain's going dead right now, too. But yes, it was. But you got it as an anniversary gift. I know that. I know it's not full sensor. No. There's no mirrorless. It was often. So whatever it was. um, But I took that camera, and that was what I built my business off of. lens. I, we eventually got two, but yes, I had one at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Not, not very much, um, at all. But like I said, I was all in, I was ready to make this work. I was going to take all of these experiences that I had had up until this point in time and really do something with them. I was no longer going to let anything be an excuse for why I was not going to create anymore. I was done with that time in my life. And at this point in time, our kids had gotten a little bit older, which, you know, they were still young, but they were not newborn toddler age, um, which you guys know if your parents, how hard that toddler stage is, um, how difficult the, I mean, the newborn stage isn't as difficult as the toddler stages, but once they start getting a little bit of independence and they're potty trained, it just kind of takes a little bit of pressure off. So it was a good time. It was not the perfect time to start a business, but there is no perfect time to start a business. There just isn't. It's never going to be the perfect time. Um, unless if you are, you know, just gifted with I mean, all the money like in the we world. Started with, we started with literally, I mean, we didn't Nothing. have savings. We had no savings. We had no savings. We lived paycheck to paycheck. And when I mean we live paycheck to paycheck, we lived Paycheck to paycheck. We'd go grocery shopping once a month. We'd go to Walmart. That we'd call that our date night. Yep, we had no date nights. We didn't go out anywhere. We, we didn't would. travel. We didn't do anything. We didn't spend money on anything because we didn't have it. We didn't have the money. So um, the little bit of credit that we had at that time with our credit cards, we chose to put into the business and help me build my career. Um, so what's crazy about that is, is my very first sale after quitting David's Bridal was a $2,400 sale. And you guys, when I tell you, I literally walked outside my house as soon as that was done and cried because I had never had that much money at one point in time. That is a very true, real story. I had never had anything that I had done pull in that sort of income. I, for the first time in my life, I I accomplished it. I had did, I did it. I didn't, not on my own. Andrew was definitely a huge part of this building process, but we did it. Like we did it. What everybody told us could not be done, we did it. And that really struck a chord with both of us because we realized how much income we could pull in by just being true to ourselves, figuring out what we wanted to photograph, sticking so with that. Where, you know, I, th- I think that's where we should stop. It. Yes, I, yeah, I think you know, I'll talk about it all day. I, no, I think I think that's where we're ending. I think what well, next will be, you know, how we built everything. Yeah, yeah, because we don't want to make this like two hours long. Sorry, I know this is, I told you guys it was going to be a little bit lengthier yeah. because it was so much history in such a short period of time. But point in being is that if there, I did a don't podcast. Don't you can't do anything. Yeah, I did a podcast with Jonathan Tilly, who I love, by the way, and he interviewed me on this process as well. And he said there was a difference between 
just living and thriving. And I can attest to that because for so long we were just living life, just doing what we had to do. And then we got to a point where we started to thrive. So I think once we got to that point, the the building process just really exploded once we started to, to focus on what we were doing. But do not be misled. We absolutely had to gamble. We We used our credit cards. We did get into debt to get this started, but that debt was paid back very quickly because I was actually able to pull in income. But I think that uh, I think that, that kind of gets us how you got into the business. Our story, me and you, babe, yeah. together till the end. It's me and you against the world. Always. Always. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. I'm sorry it was a little bit longer, but it was important. It's important to know where we came from, and that's really just kind that of the tip of the iceberg. Can Anybody can can make what they want for themselves, no so, matter where you're coming from. I think episode three, we'll talk about how you figured out what you want to photograph, and then we'll figure out how you built that part. Yeah, and I love it. I love it. We can go into just deeper details about what people can do and, and I wanna, how I got into I was going to say, I want to talk how about how you in. got in. <laughs> we're, so. we're working our way there. But thank you guys for joining on episode two, our story, and we will pick back up with episode three pretty soon. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.